Welcome back to episode 21 of the pre-Renaissance <laughs> series of the Renaissance series. The last pre-pre, right. the, the warm-up, as you called it last time, I think, Ray. Yeah. Welcome yeah. back to the warm-up. And thank you. Welcome to you. Where we are going to drive a stake into the heart, once and for all, <laughs> of the Western Roman Empire. Now, I mentioned at the end of our last episode, we were talking about... Uh, well, last episode we covered a lot of shit. We covered uh, we really did. how Orestes' development kicked out Julius Nepos and put his son on the throne. And then Odoacer, one of the Germans, uh, rose up against him. And then uh, Theodoric was sent by Zeno to get rid of Orestes. Uh, sorry, Odoacer. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And then Theoderic. Yeah. Died, and, but Theoderic made himself the king of right. Italy, the king of the Goths and the Romans. Uh-huh. Um, I want to point out something there. He didn't call himself the king of Italy. Hmm. He called himself the king of the Goths and the Romans, um, which is an interesting point because people didn't think of themselves as nation states at the time. He wasn't the king of Italy. He was the king of the peoples. Right not the king of a geographical area. Mm. Now, do you know who else did that much later on? No. Who? Tell me. Napoleone Buonaparte. <laughs> I um, he titled himself not the emperor of France, but the emperor of the French. Ah, the people have chosen me to be their emperor. I'm not the emperor of a piece of ground. Mm-hmm. I'm the emperor of a people. Mm. Was there a certain political advantages or other advantage to that? Or was he just trying to package it better? Well, I think, yeah, I think what he was trying to say was, like, it, uh, it's not this, I have this arbitrary um, border around who I'm the, where I'm the emperor of. Like I'm a not typical the ruler king, of, right. Yeah. Um, the people have, have called me to be their ruler, their leader. Um, sure, not all the people, but <coughs> enough of them <laughs> to make it... Just enough for 51%. Justifiable, yeah. Um, actually, 40, 48%, but we got the electoral votes, so it doesn't so, matter. Boom. Electoral college. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned at the end of the last episode that when Justin the first became the emperor of the Eastern Empire, it became really nasty, and that's what we want to finish off with this episode, talking about what's going on. So just, you know, where are we? We're sort of uh, the early 500s now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get into that. This is where things go horribly wrong for everybody in concerned. Now, Justin was born near modern Skopje, in the fake Macedonia? <laughs> I've heard two news stories last week about changing the name and then changing it again. So I am i feel like I've been left behind on that story. Yeah, it's so fucking confusing. No one, you know, they say, we're the real Macedonians, and the Greeks go, fuck you, you're not, you're Turks, you're not even Macedonians. Right. Um, anyway, so he was born there anyway. Right. And he started off life as a peasant and a swineherd. 
This is a real rags to riches, a, a, self, a self-made man. You've got to admire Justin. He worked hard. He rose through the ranks of the army, ultimately became emperor in spite of the fact that he was illiterate <laughs> and almost 70 years old when See, he became emperor. So Tom, there you go, Ray. There's hope, hope for <laughs> no, you. No, I was going to push it up on Tom. Tom in North Carolina. See, there's even hope for you. Yeah, so, so he was a pig herder. As a teenager, he and a friend were running from a, a, a one of many, I'm sure, a barbaric invasion. They got to Constantinople for uh, safety. He joins the army. But because he's good, because he actually is competent, even though he can't read, he rises through the ranks. He becomes the general under the emperor Anastasius I. Uh, and he's actually he's in charge of the the palace guard. So pretty pretty good for a former pickfucker uh, herder. Sorry, <laughs> bit of both um, benefits. Now, yeah, and that's how he becomes emperor. So at the time of the death of Anastasius the first, the previous emperor, Justin was the commander of the palace guard and controlled the only troops in Constantinople. <laughs> Convenient. Turns out, don't know if you know this, but it's pretty easy to get voted emperor when you control the only troops in the city. Now, how old was uh, Justin? He was, what, like 27, 28 at this time? He rose... No, 70. (laughs) Right. 70. I'm the emperor! Yay, me! Oh, my God. This guy waited a long time to get his. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so before him, Anastasius, uh, had been in the role for a while. I'm just trying to pull up my notes on Anastasius. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, emperor from 491 to 518. So he had a good stretch. Yeah. Wow. He came to, um, the throne late too. He was in his sixties. He was chosen by the wife of Zeno. Wow. Mm, he died in 491 of uh, natural causes, um, dysentery and or epilepsy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So when he, you're... Both at the same time, he was shitting himself <laughs> while he was shaking. It's a terrible way to die. Very messy <laughs> for all involved. Oh, and if he had been laying on his back, he would have choked on his own blood there was, coming from by his the nose. Way, yeah, there was a, there was a popular legend um, recorded by two historians that he was buried alive oh. um, after becoming sort of hysterical out of drinking. Um, or, you know, he sort of lost his mind, basically, and they buried him alive. Yeah. They but just, um, yeah. His, his wife, uh, Ariadne, wouldn't let uh, anyone open the coffin to check. <gasps> and then she married Anastasius. She chose, and he said, hey, you're looking good. Yeah. Hey, hey, what you, hey, what are you, how you doing? <laughs> Better than my crazy fucking husband. So, so again, men out there, and I think uh, think a majority of our listeners <clears throat> are men. Don't piss off your wives, just or don't get caught. Um, th- they'll get you in the end. So, just just cool, cool your jets, okay? Let this be a lesson to you. No, I, I'm not. No, I, I'm not going on record that this show's advice to men is don't get caught. Don't be a cunt. That's our motto. Oh, that's what I meant to say. I got my letters mixed yeah. up. Don't be a cunt. Thank you. That, thank you. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Not that I have not been guilty of that in the past myself, but... Uh, in, the, in, in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're 68 years old and you become the king and you can't fucking read, you better get some good advisors around you because if you don't play your cards right, you might not last very long. And all of that work would have been for nothing. Yeah, now one of the things that he does is uh, repeal a law that Augustus himself, R.I.P., uh, <laughs> passed. And we, we mentioned this on a recent episode. Remember Augustus passed this law that said uh, senators uh, aren't allowed to marry actresses. Oh, yeah. He seemed to hate the theater for whatever fucking reason. Can't fucking trust actresses. They're all crazy, he said. Don't marry them. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, well over 500 years later, in 525, Justin repeals that law. Also, his adopted nephew, Flavius Petrus Sabatius, who changed his name to Justinian to be a complete (laughs) suck-up, could marry Theodora a former mime actress, and perhaps <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> well, miming doesn't pay as much as it used to, so you gotta you got to have something to fall back on or lay back she on, was, no pun intended. She, she was miming sucking dick, and... <laughs> and uh, they said, look, you thought, do that you really know, well. The, yeah. It's you not just, a big leap. You just you need know, a penis. I'll pay, I'll pay you 50 cents, <laughs> Tari. That's hard. If you uh, actually just do it for real. But but um, but I've only got 10, so if you could just mime it in front of me, I'll do the rest. That's hot. That's hot. It's hour three. We're going to spend three weeks together, man. <laughs> if this is what we're like after hour three, what are we going to be like in week three? Uh, uh, oh. We're going to put somebody in charge, Fox. Mm. Fox Chrissy is will in be charge. there to uh, keep me serious. She's like, okay, yeah. guys, that's enough. Yeah, enough. Stop, stop the stupid <laughs> dick jokes. Anyway. A contemporary historian of uh, Justin and Justinian, Procopius, right, who's commonly thought of as the last major historian of the ancient Western world, Aww. wrote an infamous book called his Secret History, the Secret History of Justinian. He wrote like his official history, right, two and books, and then then years later he wrote the Secret History. Is like now I'm going to tell you what really happened. The tell all. Ah. Um, he has this to say about Theodora's acting career. Often, even in the theatre, in the sight of all the people, she removed her costume and stood nude in their midst, except for a girdle about the groin. Not that she was abashed at revealing that too to the audience, but because there was a law against appearing altogether naked on the stage without at least this much of a fig leaf. Covered thus with a ribbon, she would sink down to the stage floor and recline on her back. 
Hope she doesn't have any superfluous blood because we know <laughs> that's not die? good for her. Right. Slaves to whom the duty was entrusted would then scatter grains of barley from above into the calyx of this passion flower. <laughs> Do you want to guess what that's a euphemism for? Her lady bits. Whence geese Uh-oh. trained for this purpose <laughs> well, yeah. would next pick the grains one by one with oh. their bills and eat. I, I would pay top dollar to see that. <laughs> and that's where the saying, you lucky, lucky goose comes from. <laughs> And if that's not a saying, it is now. I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. You lucky, lucky goose. Do you really have to train them to... Anyway, okay. Now, I'm not a lady, Ray, anymore. Um, (laughs) But if I was still a lady, I'm not sure I'd be letting geese nip at my lady bits. Right, Mm. yeah. Because one wrong move and... yeah. Now, I know they've been specially trained for this purpose, but I want to ask the question. It's still a goose. Who's, uh, who's, <laughs> who's volunteering to train geese <laughs> to pick up grains of rice out of your labia majora? I'm not <laughs> sure you could pay me enough. Okay, so um, <clears throat> thanks for coming along today, Ray. Um, appreciate you uh, answering our ad. On Craigslist. Sure. Um, I know it was a little bit vague. Yeah. Um, do I like sports? We don't like... Yeah. <laughs> it's, do you ever wanted a career in the circus is actually what it said. Now, look, oh. it's, this is... Um, you're not actually going to be uh, uh, in the big tent at, at, uh, at the beginning. We, you oh. know, we, you need to learn the ropes from the ground up. Sure. So <clears throat> I'm you willing might to put be in wondering, my time. Well, you will be putting in something um, more than that, Ray. Um, we we have this famous trick. You've probably seen it, uh, where the geese uh, pick the grains of uh, oh, barley. Love that out of uh, the Theodora's uh, vajayjay. So I'm um, a guy. Uh, well, that's debatable, but let's <laughs> let's say that that is true. Um, <clears throat> We're looking at branching out. That 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 act has been very popular. We're going to do a similar act for the ladies, right? Where the geese are going to be eating the barley off somebody's old fella. Now, don't worry; it's not going to be your old fella out there. The geese are going to be nipping at. No. <sighs> okay. You want me to train? You're not. Them? You're not. You're not ready for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have to train the geese. Right. Your job is to train them to do that. So. Uh, I want you to take this little container of barley here, right. Ray, and here's the geese. Right. Now, these geese, Come let on, me geese. just be very clear on this. Uh, yeah. and, um, you, this was in the contract that you signed, uh, but just to remind you, these geese have never been trained to do anything before. These are wild geese. <laughs> I was going to um, ask, do they have names? <laughs> no, I don't even have names. We just got them off the back of a truck 10 minutes ago. <laughs> What we want you to do is uh, pull. There you go. Just pull up your toga, Ray. Uh, whip your <laughs> like old this. fella out, right? Yeah, go. like that. Right. Oh my god, that's disgusting. Anyway, uh, I'll just look over here. Whip your old fella out, right? You could have at least done a bit of manscaping <laughs> before you came. Um, I did, and know. put the barley 
on your old fella, flaccid, erect, up to you. We don't really mind. Give, give me a minute. <laughs> no, go ahead. Do you want me to bend over and go to you? Would that help? Uh, it, it wouldn't hurt, but please continue. And uh, then we're just going to let the geese come, and uh, you'll have to, you know, where does the, the training, training on? <laughs> Well, the training methodology is really up to you. We've never done this before. We don't really know. We just got into this business yesterday. We thought, that seems to be a big moneymaker so with me, Theodora. So you're letting me on the ground floor of a new enterprise. I, I can't thank you enough. That's a great way to look at it. Uh, <laughs> wish we'd come up with that. We would have put that in the ad. <laughs> so, Get a better quality of people. <laughs> Taller, maybe. Um, we should have put height oh, limitations. Some of these geese are taller than you. They're gonna have to bend down. Oh, I like that. Anyway, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, and scene. Um, <laughs> we going on all day with that. Uh, <laughs> Procopius had this to say about Justinian. (laughs) And some of those who have been with Justinian at the palace late at night, men who were pure of spirit, have thought they saw a strange demoniac form taking his place. One man said that the emperor suddenly rose from his throne and walked about, and indeed he was never wont to remain sitting for long, and immediately Justinian's head vanished, while the rest of his body seemed to ebb and flow, whereat the beholder stood aghast and fearful, wondering if his eyes were deceiving him. But presently he perceived the vanished head filling out and joining the body again as strangely as it had left it. Um, I've got no comeback for that one because that's probably not what happened. So uh, one of the questions about uh, this Procopius secret history, historians tend to think of it these days as um, he wrote this in case something went bad with the uh, throne Mm -hmm. and he was accused of being friendly with Justinian. Mm -hmm. He could whip this out and say... Let the geese eat it. No, he would whip this out and say, uh, look, no, no, I'm writing this scandalous uh, tell-all biography of Justinian. I hated the guy. Right. Please don't kill me, um, is one theory about this book, because it is a very strange book. It's available. We still have it. You can go online and download a copy of it, as I did. Wow. Read through it. So who- Now, the other question is, this whole thing about Theodora and the geese and the naked and the thing... This is in Constantinople in the 500s. You would think this is like hardcore Christian Constantinople here. I can't see how this, did they have like secret clubs where they went to where, you know, you checked your cross at the door? (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure where this was going on. If it was true, it's quite a strange story, but I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) I like it. I want to see it brought back. That's what you and I should do. That's how we're going to make our first million, right. Ray. Or my second million, technically. Good for um, you. Yeah. Uh, is uh, geese porn. <laughs> um, that's where we're going. Oh, I'm so far ahead of you. 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's a personal. That's why you live in anyway. country Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> now, this whole thing about getting back to the point of this story, the whole thing of uh, repealing Augustus's law about marrying actresses ended up having major impacts on the imperial court. As soon as the gloves were taken off, they were like, oh, we can marry hookers now? Thank Christ for that. <laughs> and uh, it had major change on the old class distinctions, which is why Augustus put it in place at the first put it into right. place in the first place. Yeah. It's like, listen, I don't want the aristocracy marry yes, I know actresses are sexy. Yeah. And I know we love the theatre and they look beautiful and all of that kind of stuff and they they let geese eat barley out of their twats. I know that's you know, that's Good that's stuff. hot. Yeah. It's hot. Don't get me wrong. But we can't have the aristocracy marrying yeah. these people, the rabble. The geese twat rabble. Right. We can't have that. <laughs> the rabble stay over there. The elite stay over here. And hopefully the geese stay over there. We can come together <laughs> for a good time, but then each at the end of the day. Later. Go to your In home. private. <laughs> but then after that, you With all go home to your home. Exactly. Exactly. The, the geese in yeah. private. Yeah. you gotta have you got to have social stability. And I guess that's one of the things Augustus was going for. Now... Justin, getting back to Justin, mm -hmm. Justinian's adopted father, was the first mega Catholic to rule for 50 years. Wow. Um, the other guys had been uh, um, sort of on the, the some of the fringy versions of Catholicism. They weren't Arians, but there were some fringy uh, uh, ideas happening at the time. But he's the first hardcore Orthodox balls-to-the-wall guy they've had in a long time. Right. And he starts... He starts oppressing the Aryans a few years into his rule, which, of course, were the Goths. Now, the Roman Senate were mostly Catholics, if not all Catholics, mm -hmm. so they shifted their support from Theodoric to support the emperor. Uh, and remember, I, this is while Theodoric was still alive and the Ostrogothic kingdom, et cetera, et cetera. So he was also getting involved in the wars between the Franks and the Visigoths, supporting right. the Visigoths in Gaul. Now he's got this problem going on with uh, the Eastern Empire. Now he sent Pope John I, Pope is based in Rome, he mm -hmm. sent him to Constantinople to negotiate a deal with uh, uh, Justin, um, which he seems to, which John seems to have done. But then when John gets back from the mission, mm -hmm. Theodoric su suspected a rat and threw him in prison where he died. Oh, God. Which made him even more unpopular with the Catholics because he's just killed the Pope. Now, I don't know if you know much about Catholics, Ray. I know you were one for a mm -hmm. brief period of time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up as a Catholic uh, for a few years. I was baptised a Catholic, yeah. um, left when I was about eight. But one of the things, I don't remember much from Sunday school. Right. But one of the things I do remember, because they, they drilled this into us a lot when we were kids, is that if you want to be a good Catholic or, or be on the good side of the Catholics, killing the Pope <laughs> is a no-no. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Not just unless, not to kill, but don't kill the Pope. Unless he's a good Pope who's trying to clean up oh, child rape. Then you take his ass out. 
no then pun you take him out because no obviously, uh, yeah, <laughs> like uh, what's his face, John Paul the First. Was mm-hmm. it John Paul the First? They killed. I honestly don't know. Who was what? the Pope that lasted thirty-three days? I know it wasn't Pope who lasted yeah. thirty-three days. Paul, John Paul, Ringo. No, John Paul the First. There okay. you go. All right. Lasted thirty-three days in nineteen seventy-eight. Damn. So, Supposedly murdered because he was trying to clean up the Vatican Bank. It's the conspiracy theory there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly poisoned in his cup of tea. Oh, yeah. That he, that he had at night. And he's, they got rid of his body really quickly. His body was found. Boom. They burned it. They burned it like a book by Cicero, man. <laughs> That's how quickly no. the Catholics got rid of that. We found a book on him. We had to burn the whole body. That's what they said. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah. Theodoric himself died a couple of years later. His kingdom, the Ostrogothic kingdom, is left to his infant grandson. Because if there's one thing we've learnt uh, <laughs> through the course of this story is that leaving your kingdom to infants is yeah. always a good idea. It's a way to go. Always, always works always out. Always the sound. Yeah. yeah. Always works out best <laughs> for everybody when you leave your kingdom to a child. Except for the infant. Yeah, yeah. Now, this caused the network of alliances that supported the Ostrogothic kingdom to disintegrate. The Visigoths, the Franks, the Vandals, they all went their separate ways. The Franks, as I said in the last episode, became the new power. They converted to Catholicism anyway. They became the new power in Gaul. One thing led to another, and it all culminated in the Gothic War. Ooh. Dun dun dun, it should have its own theme music. Don't tempt me. Yeah, here we go. Is that too random? It's probably too random. Do you know what that is? No, what? Joan Armour Trading singing the titles of the Wild Geese 1978 film. You ever seen that movie? It's great. No. Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Great sort of British adventure film. Not great, actually. Not good. Um, fun, not good. Um, about a bunch of uh, mercenaries uh, in Africa, I seem to recall, um, doing crazy shit. Anyway, great cast if you're a fan of those guys, just for the schlockiness of it. Right. 
our British British listeners, uh, if we have any left, would probably enjoy that. Um, anyway, let me get back to uh, uh, the Gothic War. So the Gothic War between the Eastern Roman Empire and the Ostrogothic Kingdom was fought from 535 until 554 in Italy, Dalmatia, Sardinia, Sicily, and Corsica. And it's normally divided into two phases. The first phase lasted from 535 to 540, and it ended with the fall of Ravenna and the reconquest of Italy by the Eastern Empire. Mm. Byzantines came in, kicked Ostrogothic ass, took it all back. Italy is now ours, bitches, finally. We've got a single empire. But then the Goths fought back from 441 to 553 for the next 12 years under the new king, Totila. Now, I love a good tortilla with uh, <laughs> cheese, yeah. a little bit of salami, uh, some, some beans, refried beans, Ray, uh, a little mm, bit of uh, hot sauce. On there? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He invented that. He, little known fact, but Tortilla, the king of the Ostrogoths, <laughs> invented that, got stolen by the Mexicans. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so that's what he was known for. That's why they made him king. He said, hey, listen, got this new uh, snack I've invented, flatbread, put a bit of stuff on it, throw it on a hot plate, cook it up, bonza. Anyway, Tortilla uh, recovered almost all of the Ostrogothic kingdoms, the territories, um, and then sacked Rome in 546 in a siege that lasted almost a year. Oh, my God. Yeah, now, and, and I don't know how, how much detail you want to give, but, yeah, this, this peninsula this, uh, Not in, much. Is, is going to change hands several high, times. And that's the whole point of this is that um, – it's it's quickly becoming just a mass confusion of who's in charge of this. So the Ostrogoths take it December of 546. The Byzantines, uh, Justinian is in charge, I think, by now, uh, comes back and takes it in 547. The Goths come back on January 15, 550. Sorry. The Goths come back in January 550. And Tortilla, like you said, plunders Sicily and he raids the Greek coastline. So this place, be- between all the famine, the diseases that's going on, and now the constant wars, there can't be much left of Italy in general. I mean, as far as having any kind of stability of, of being the center of a great power, this thing has just fallen into dark times, no pun intended. And uh, it, it is just lost the greatness that it once had 500 years ago. Yeah, 20 years of war. Um, now, I don't know, maybe, can we call it a civil war? Um, it has that, you've certainly got has that aspect to it, yeah. Germans fighting Turks in Italy over control of Italy. Um, yeah, but, you know, they, they all saw it as themselves as well. I guess the Eastern Roman Empire saw it all, all being part of their empire. So 20 years. Now, we know from our Caesar shows what civil war can do to a country, what it had done to Italy uh, previously. But this is the first time it's seen massive war. I mean, we've had the Goths coming in, 
Um, but usually those things didn't last too long. They usually cut a piece deal a, right. a year, two years, three years maybe. Yeah. Long time to be at war, but not 20 years. This went on for nearly 20 years, the Gothic Wars. That's insane. Uh, and it did. It had a major impact. Now, getting back to the Siege of Rome in 546, mm-hmm. um, the commander of the garrison in Rome during the siege, it turns out was a bit of a cunt. Um, Gibbon, in his uh, History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, wrote, Rome was affected by the avarice and guarded by the valour of Bessus, a veteran chief of Gothic extraction, who filled with a garrison of 3,000 soldiers the spacious circle of her venerable walls. From the distress of the people, he extracted a profitable trade and secretly rejoiced in the continuance of the siege. It was for his use that the granaries had been replenished. The charity of Pope Vigilius had purchased and embarked an ample supply of Sicilian corn, but the vessels which escaped the barbarians were seized by a rapacious governor who imparted a scanty sustenance to the soldiers and sold the remainder to the wealthy Romans. So, not the guy you want (laughs) defending you, right? who is uh, profiting from the siege. Yeah, just real quick, the difference between the administrators now and 500 years ago or whatever, I mean, Augustus had top quality people, he had spies everywhere, he knew what was going on, and if someone screwed up, they either were killed or banished or whatever, I mean, but but there was there, they were found out pretty soon and punishment was pretty swift. Now you've got corruption, you don't have that same consistency, the same level of loyalty, and also the, the administration to, to check on other parts of the government. Everything about the Roman Empire has fallen apart, and he can get away with this kind of stuff because things are not what they used to be. Yeah, he's a goth for a start. <laughs> That's not even a not even right. a Roman. He's a goth. The whole system is yeah. Now, now Procopius, uh, historian I mentioned earlier, says that the ordinary Romans who weren't rich enough to buy grain from the military were reduced to eating bran nettles. Dogs, mice, and finally, each other's dung. Damn. Now, there's a sexy way and a non-sexy way to eat each other's dung. On one hand, you have two two girls, one cup. On the other hand... They weren't, this wasn't in a sexy way, these people were eating the dung, I want to point out, Ray. Yeah. No, not sexy at all. Maybe a little bit. A little bit sexy on the fringes, like, right? Yeah, if you're dying of starvation, you're like, you know, you'll do anything for a bit of a thrill. That's true. Hey, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'll give you this dead mouse if uh, you eat my shit. No. Hey, hey, no. <laughs> I just want to see, I just want to see you do it. I just want to. We're both going to die just, anyway, but you know. Let me wait, wait, wait till I bring my goose in. All right, now, <laughs> go, go. What is wrong with us? Now, so much. <laughs> uh, some people committed suicide. I read, um, I think it was in Gibbon or Procopius, that um, one uh, father led his five children to a bridge and said, watch what I do and then do it 
after me, oh. and he uh, just uh, blindfolded himself, I think, and jumped into the river and uh, drowned. And his kids did as well. Now, others escaped at the last minute. Uh, apparently somebody left the gate open as the soldiers finally broke through. According to Procopius, only 500 people were left in Rome mm. seeking refuge in the various churches. Wow. 26 soldiers and 60 civilians were killed. So everybody else in Rome at the time... Now, Rome wasn't Rome. We know that right. uh, Rome had been through a lot already. We know the imperial court had moved to Ravenna and then been destroyed and then there'd been wars and all this kind of stuff, but it was still a major city. But by the time these guys got in after a siege, which lasted a year, um, and after some people got out at the end, there was only 500 people left in all of Rome. That's and insane. only 26 soldiers and 60 civilians were killed out of the entire population of Rome. I can't even comprehend 500 people. In the one and now this was yeah. only the first of three times Rome was sacked during the Gothic War. It is truly just a bunch of stone now. Pile How do you up. keep sacking a place that's been sacked so before? you got to like resack what's left? it. Yeah. You have to look under the couch. Maybe they <laughs> missed something in the car- under the carpets. Yeah. Um, Jeez, I just wanted to now by the yeah yeah I just wanted yeah. to pick up the story. Uh, I won't go too far, but so so with these um the three invasions the five forty six five forty seven the five fifty um, where Tortilla plunders Sicily and raids and raids the Greek coastline. Justinian has had enough, so he is going to send a very large force under Narsus, who had been previously recalled. And in June five fifty two, the Oslo Goths are beaten at the Battle of Busta Galorum where Tortilla is killed, but but obviously the fighting still goes on. There's more battles. The Ostrogoths are finally beaten before the 550s are out. And Italy, whatever's left of it, is back in the hands of the Eastern Empire. And Justinian is going to keep 16,000 troops stationed there, thinking that's going to take care of all of his problems. But it's not for, for various reasons, as we may see. Do you know what uh, the word tortilla in Spanish means, where it comes from? Tortilla. No, what? comes from a cake, a small cake, torta. You know, you get a tort, mm-hmm. cake, kind of cake, tort. Yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. Cake. So that's this guy's name. If he, yeah. if he was Spanish, he, he would needed have been a, known as cake. He needed probably a comes from the name. same. Yeah. Probably comes from the Latin for cake. That's why he died. Yeah, it's, yeah you don't pick a king called cake. King cake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't king king pastry. See, it just doesn't. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, torta, Latin, round loaf or cake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a German, but the Germans got it from the Italians at this stage. Tort, German, right. cake, mm, little cake. Hey, little cake. <laughs> uh, what should we be doing today on the battlefield? Rule me, rule me, little cake. I don't. I don't think so. Now, eventually, the Byzantines won the Gothic War. Mm-hmm. As you said, Tortilla was killed. They wiped out what was left of the Ostrogoths. But it's considered to be a Pyrrhic victory. Named after who, Ray? Oh, God. Um, the, the, the guys with the, the Dumaflachi and the thing, and you lose so many men, it's not a real victory. Oh, shit. It's, I'm blanking. 
Pyrrhus. You're just blank. Pyrrhus, thank Pyrrhus. you. Yeah. Whew. Quick Googling there. Yes, <laughs> Pyrrhus, we talked about Pyrrhus in our Alexander series. He was one of the guys that came up. He was, from memory, he was um, uh, from Epirus, an Epurian. Right. That's kind of uh, where there. Alexander's mother, Olympias, was from originally. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Pyrrhus. He was an Epirus. And yes, famously, he fought the Romans on behalf of uh, one of the Greek city states. Right. Um, and uh, defeated the Romans as early on, so we're talking like late 200s BCE, I think, but lost a huge amount of his army and said, you know, if I have another victory like that, I'll be wiped out. Right. Um, and Pyrrhic victory. And so this Gothic was a Pyrrhic victory for the Byzantines because they spent so much money yes. and lost so many people that it kind of wiped them out as well. Now, on top of all of this going on... Mm-hmm. In the 540s and into the 550s, there was also the plague of Justinian. Yeah, bit of a plague, just a bit. Bit of a plague. Uh, 540, 541, it's estimated to have killed up to a quarter of the population of the empire. Oh my God. Oh, yeah, I, I had read uh, somewhere around an estimated 25 million. Somewhere between 25 to 50 million over two centuries because it kept coming back. Right. Um, but, yeah, the time of the initial outbreak in 540, they say 25 million, which was about 13% of the world's population. Not the empire. 25% of the empire, 13% of the world's population died and, in and, one year. Yeah. That's insane. And, and I mean, I imagine, <clears throat> how do you deal with all that, those dead bodies? But like Thanos, you don't get to choose who dies. It's not just the poor. It's not just, I mean, it, it, there's no telling how it gets to you because they, they hadn't figured it out, I don't think. And so just people from all the different economic strata are just dying by the millions. I mean, how do you, how do you go on as, as a government, as a country, as a city with this kind of thing happening? And like Thanos, they should have just killed it when they had it being weakened instead of trying to take his glove off. (laughs) Why are you trying to take his glove off? Thank you. Kill the motherfucker, (laughs) then then take the glove off. Exactly. Afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Take a a book out of the Christians, burn (laughs) him alive, behead him, then then take his glove off. Then go for the glove. What the fuck (laughs) are you doing, Iron Man? Now, One blast to the head. That's all it would have taken. <laughs> One blast to the head. Thor <laughs> nearly killed him. Right. And he said to him, you should have shot, taken out the head. They, they should have known. Yeah. Anyway. Um, this is one of the deadliest plagues in history. Um, and modern scientists think... Well, they, uh, they know, I think. They found that the cause of it was the Yersinia pestis, the bacterium responsible for the bubonic plague. Wow. Uh, it's called the Plague of Justinian just because Justinian was the emperor at the time. He actually caught it but survived. God loves him. That would be it. 
Um, and, and uh, you know, he uh, was banging a mime prostitute who... <laughs> she got the geese to suck it out of him, I think, is <laughs> what happened there. Yeah, I'm going to get myself some geese, Ray. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm thinking I might get myself some geese. I always keep geese around. You never know. You never know. Never know. Never know when you're going to have some barley. You need to have... Or the bubonic plague. Now, uh, genetic yeah. genetic studies point to China, yeah, as having been the primary source of the uh, bubonic plague. It kept coming back until the eighth century and uh, had a, obviously a major impact on European history. When you lose that percentage of your population, a lot of men, women, children die. Uh, your ability to build an army disappears pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Tax base disappears pretty quickly. You're, you're just your economic infrastructure. Yeah, people that are that are that are running McDonald's and your petrol stations and building your roads and uh, growing your crops and making your hair coats um, they they all disappear. And a big chunk of them disappears, uh, which drives the prices of you know supply and demand drives the prices up. Uh, but people don't have any money. Uh, it, it, it fucked uh, yeah. the Roman Empire substantially for centuries. On on a sad note, for Justinian, Theodora dies in five forty eight. I don't know if it's of the plague, but but she dies, uh, and he, he he lives for a while. Um, and as the older he gets, he devotes himself to religion. He deems it proper to promulgate the law of the, of the church's belief in the Trinity. He threatens all heretics with the appropriate penalties. Uh, he declares that he intends to deprive, and, and we didn't go into this in, in any great detail, but he, he worked very hard. He was known as the emperor who never slept. He worked very hard to revamp the Roman laws, which we can go into or not. But the point I'm trying to make is he declared that he intended to deprive all those people who disturbed, disturbed the orthodoxy of any opportunity of the due process of law. So he is literally going to say, I will set the law, the courts, everything against you if you, you know, if you mess with Christianity that I am that I am working on. He had the bishops in the attendance of the Second Council of Constantinople in 553 recognize this is kind of like what Donald Trump would do, recognize that nothing could be done in the church that was contrary to the emperor's will and command. And on the other side of that, he made sure that the church was safe from any kind of temporal prescription. He granted the monks the right to inherit property and for, from private citizens, and they were allowed to give the monks annual gifts um, from the annual treasury. And they, of course, they would have to not pay any taxes, and the church property could not be confiscated. So again, he's he's coming down hard on those who are against the church. He's setting up a lot of laws to protect the church while all of this other stuff is going on. But his priorities are, as he gets older, is to safeguard the church. You know, we have to imagine, is we knowing um, people from the ancient world as we do, mm-hmm. they see things like plagues as some form of punishment. Remember the earlier plague uh we talked about the the pagans saw it as the oh, gods yeah. punishing the Christians. The Christians <laughs> saw it as their god punishing what? the pagans. 
Um, at this point in time, there would have been all sorts of theories around why God was just killing 25 million people right. uh, from this disease. Are we not being good enough Christians? We're not being strict enough Christians. We're not oh, yeah. uh, punishing the, the Aryans enough. The Aryans aren't saying that we're not punishing the Catholics enough. Uh, maybe there's still some pagans with their demon books hiding. <laughs> um, they would have translated it all in religious terms, mm. even though you know, modern scientists uh, know that it came from uh, rats, infected rats arriving from Egypt to Constantinople on grain ships. Right. Um, but, yeah, they would have translated into religious terms, which would have driven more and more religious uh, fundamentalism. Um, Procopius records that at its peak, the plague was killing 10,000 people in Constantinople a day. We don't know if that figure is accurate. I don't think he went around and counted them individually, but uh, it was a lot. He said that there was no room to bury the dead, so bodies were left stacked out in the open. There were no funerals because no one was alive to do funerals or had the time. The entire city smelled like dead, rotting corpses. And I can only imagine that made it worse to have these infected bodies just sitting there for days, decomposing or whatever. So, yeah, it's just I mean, how would you even begin to deal with that many bodies when you like you said earlier, you don't have the manpower to deal with that. So get the hell out of town. But there is no safe place to go, I guess. I don't know how I would have dealt with it. Geese. I would have trained the geese. <laughs> I would have tied the geese around eat me. Eat the dead corpses. Yeah. Ooh, All I, that, yes. Yeah. yeah. I would I have made a, a skirt stable of young of geese to come geeses. behind me. <laughs> to come behind me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Now, so uh, as a consequence, so the, the, the Eastern Empire, it's got the plague of Justinian, it's fighting this massive long war with the Goths. Um, they they are wiped out economically, militarily, manpower, tax base. The whole thing is, you know, a ghost of what it once was. And then 10 or so years later, after the Gothic Wars ended, the Lombards arrive. Fucking Lombards. The fucking Lombards. Uh, I used to think Lombard stood for lots of money, but a real drip, but uh, they were real people. Right. Um, yeah, they invaded easily. They took advantage of the weakness of the overall Eastern Empire and invaded Italy. So there's another war going Jeez. on in Italy. The Byzantines are trying to defend it to the best of their ability uh, the Lombards come in and basically take control. Yeah. Um, so just so Justinian, when he was having people come in to take on uh, Tortilla, some of the some of those people that actually fought for him were Lombards. They were hired and they finish off the Ostrogoths. And so you've, like you said, you've got multiple wars. You've got famine. You've got plague. In the spring of uh, five sixty eight, King Albon. I don't know how to say his name. Albion. I don't know how to say it, moved in from Pannonia, and he pushes out the forces of Narsus, who was 
left there by Justinian to protect Italy. So now Italy is truly fractured. Parts of it are ruled by the Lombards. Parts of it are ruled by the Byzantines. The borders keep changing. They keep fighting each other. So like you said, as bad as things have gotten, now there's another major war for this peninsula to deal with. And the Lombards originally came out of Scandinavia. Mm Mm-hmm. Blonde hair, blue eyes, um, and they come down. They they came down as part of the Great Migration. Ended up hooking up with the Suebi, who we've mentioned many times before. Um, our mate from the Augusta series, uh, the historian Valeus Paterculus, ah. who was uh, sucking up to Thibaut. Right. He um, has the earliest recorded mention of them. He says that under Tiberius, the power of the Langobardi was broken, a race surpassing even the Germans in savagery. Damn. Their name, Langobardi, uh, which turned into Lombard, might, historians aren't quite sure on this, but I think it might have come from the word Longbeard, Langobardi, mm. which was one of their names for Odin, Odin the Longbeard. Right. Um, so, you know, that's where the name comes from. Now, after they conquered Italy, um, there were bits and pieces of Italy that remained in control of technically, theoretically, of the Eastern Empire. It's called the Exarchate of Ravenna, mm-hmm. um, sort of bits of territory along central Italy, down Naples, bits of southern Italy, uh, Rome, Venice, Calabria, Naples, Perugia, Pentapolis, Lucania, uh, mostly the coastal cities um, where the fleet of, of the Byzantine army was able to keep control of those. The Lombards mostly held the, the hinterland, the inner parts of Italy. Um, now, the, the way that the... Uh, Byzantines, the way that Constantinople tried to control the exarchate of Ravenna is they had an exarch, not a monarch, but an exarch. Mm -hmm. He was the guy in Ravenna. He was like the representative of the emperor. And then he had people who were running the various um, regions as his authority. But it was all split up and, you know, it's a bit hard. You're in Ravenna, which is on one coast. You've got Naples on the other side. Um, you've, you, the, the territory in between the two of you is controlled by the Lombards. A little bit hard communication-wise, mm-hmm. to and forth. So what happens is these places over time, and then, then you're, you know, you're cut off from the emperor in Constantinople as well, except for a fleet, but that's a bit dodgy. Um, eventually over time, these uh, areas start to fracture and they go, you know what, fuck this, we're just going to be our, do our own thing, right. which is how you end up with the city-states um, of medieval Italy at the time of the Renaissance, there's really just groups of city-states that kind of govern themselves and have liquid alliances with popes and kings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, there, there was one point, um, let's see, in 572, there's 35 Lombard dukes gathered in Pavia, and, and they hail a guy, Clef, C-L-E-P-H, 
Clef Cleef as their king, but he dies in, uh, two years later, and for 10 years, there's no king. And like you said, the dukes rule on their own. Uh, they're absolute masters. Eventually, they're going to pick a new king because they keep getting attacked by the Franks and by other tribes, so they're going to think they need a king, so they bring a king back eventually, but the king is weaker. There's betrayal. There's murder. Husbands are killing wives and taking power with their lovers. It all it, it, it's, it's typical uh, typical uh, kingdom story, if you will, but yeah, so these people are getting used to running their own duchies, if you will, and and that's going to bring us to um, to the Middle Ages, where pretty much your lord masters the guy in the castle over the hill. But this is where it starts a, a even further breakdown in political unity throughout the peninsula. So what happens is you get attacked, and you go, "Hey, hey, uh, emperor down in Constantinople, uh, we need help." <laughs> We're getting, help, help, we're being attacked. And he says, listen, guys, seriously, you're on your own. I'd love um, to, but, uh, lo- Yeah, thoughts and prayers, but uh, <laughs> seriously, not much I can do at this juncture. So you end up building your own military who are loyal to you. Exactly. People are paying taxes to you. Right. And over time, they're like, king who, what? Emperor who? Go, we don't care. We're, you know, this guy is uh, the boss of me. And he's got his own army who are loyal to him because he's paying their salaries. And so that's how it all kind of fractures. Yeah. And after the Gothic Wars, the Byzantine Empire really stops trying to get control of the Western Empire for a long, long time. Rome remains under imperial control uh, until the Exarchate of Ravenna is finally conquered, holus bolus, by the Lombards in 751. Wow. They hold on for 200 years. and Good then It's finally all Lombard control. Some, some of the coastal areas, though, of southern Italy did remain under Byzantine control until the 11th century. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what else happens in the 8th century, Ray? Uh, I got my man Charlemagne. Uh, not just know. Charlemagne. Who else? The 8th century. Oh, a little How guy called Muhammad. Little oh, guy yeah. called Muhammad. The, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Muhammad comes along and Charlemagne comes along and, you know, these add to... Well, it takes takes the Muslims a little while to get up and running, but then they come and start getting involved as well, Um, which we'll explore more when we get into the main Renaissance series. So the basic line here, folks, to wrap up, how are we doing for time? we got a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Italy, which had been united into a single political entity, by the Romans mm-hmm. 500 years, 600 years ago, and it remained as a single entity of control anyway throughout the Roman Empire and also under the Goths when they started to get involved in the early 5th century, late 4th, early 5th century, gets broken up with successor states who are often going to go to war with each other until the unification of Italy in the 19th century. Hmm. What Julius Caesar and Pompey and Augustus built and their predecessors, 
uh, fell apart forever until the 19th century, anyway. Yeah. Now, the Lombards themselves were Aryans originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you've got most of Italy being run by non-Catholics for a couple of hundred extra years. But at the end of the 7th century, they converted to Catholicism and it's all Catholics. Hooray! Uh, the Catholics yeah. finally won. <laughs> so, so it took the Christians 700 years to all agree on who oh, Jesus God. was. <laughs> to agree that Jesus was God. 700 oh. years. And how many people died, were murdered for that in those 700 By years. other Christians. By other Christians. Oh, mm. But as long as you ask for forgiveness right after you kill them, I think you're golden. I'm not sure. But... Before the Lombards finished their conversion to Catholicism, Mm -hmm. they were obviously at war with the papacy. The papacy sided with the Franks, who, under Charlemagne, conquered the Lombard kingdom in 774. And Mm -hmm. so Charlemagne, the king of the Franks, also adopted the title the king of the Lombards. Yeah, By the grace of God... King of the Franks and the Lombards. So the Germans ran Italy and then the French ran Italy. And that's the story, friends, of how the Roman Empire, built by Caesar Augustus, ended up completely fucked. It was a combination, I think, in summary, of Christianity splitting the empire between the East and the West, Mm -hmm. German invasions, the wars between the East and the West, plague, a bunch of fucking useless emperors, uh, and it destroyed, all of those things destroyed the population, destroyed the common values, the com- and the wars between the Christians as well, De- destroyed, destroyed the common values, but also the search for truth, the search for meaning, philosophy, science, the arts all got wiped out as a process of all of those things. And you end up with tiny kingdoms with scattered loyalties, the loss of all of those writings that we've talked about in the search for truth, wisdom, and beauty, which lasted for nigh on a thousand years, at least in the West. Mm-hmm. Survived a bit in... in Byzantium survived a bit in places like Ireland. Um, Charlemagne had a a period where he tried to bring back a little bit of classical learnings, which we might talk about at some point. But I think this is a good place to conclude our pre-series on how it all got fucked up in the first place. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've learnt Something I did. Um, I think I have a much better appreciation now of what led to the dark ages in the Western Empire. Uh, And now 
we can start in our next episodes to tell the stories of how the Renaissance, the rebirth, was born. But there will be a slight break before we get to that because we're going to Europe to live the Renaissance. And then when we get back, we will put out some new episodes. So if you're listening to this in real time, give us a few weeks grace, if you would be so kind. It'll probably be August before we come out with new episodes. We have to set up our geese farm first, but then we're going to jump right back into it.